Hey, welcome to the second half of our two-part episode with Michael Cartanis of Old Ways on IG. Michael is a brujo and just like a general amazing human being. And that's why our conversation just kept going. I just was having so much fun talking to him and everything that he was saying was so brilliant. I could not possibly hit pause on the recorder because I was like, people need to hear this. So we broke this episode into two parts. The first part, you can go and listen to the second part. Michael talks about his experience growing up in a small town as an openly gay witch. He's got some really good stories. Also working at a mystical boutique here in LA that many people who are in the wellness space definitely know. We talked about lineage and ancestry and appropriation and how there's magic in every culture and really finding your own ancestral lineage. We talked about how Michael studied witchcraft in his ancestral line and following guidelines when navigating intuitive realms and why you need to study or why you should study when, but not be like obsessed with doing things, quote unquote, the right way when you're practicing magic, just like anything. It was a really, really fun conversation. We also talked about the pros and cons of writing books and the state of the publishing industry. And I, I'm just, I really admire Michael for the practitioner that he is and how dedicated to his craft he is. And really in this digital age where anyone can put on their Instagram bio that they are this, that, or the other thing without a ton of experience or even a lot of spending a lot of time doing it. He is someone who's really been working for a long time to understand his craft. And you can tell just in in his stories of growing up, like how long witchcraft and magic has been part of his life. And I just really appreciate that. I think it's a rarity in these days and it's something to certainly be celebrated and to be, you know, like to shout from the rooftops. So, so I'm excited for you to listen to this episode. I cannot wait to hear what you think. And with that, let's get into it. Yeah, I think we obsess with like this sort of open mind of like, well, what if this happens? Well, oh, I got to stay open in case or like, and that keeps us like out of action. It keeps us like in this weird liminal space. And I'm like such a huge fan of this book called Essentialism. Have you heard of it? No, but I'm on it. I'll send it to you. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It's like my Bible. And Inside the book, he talks about how like you can do anything, but you can't do everything. You have to be directed with your energy. And the moment that you say yes to like a million other things, to something you're saying no no to a million other things. So like be careful what you say yes to and be mm -hmm. really, really clear on what you say yes to and also be really clear on what you say no to. And if you don't choose your time, someone else will choose your time for you. Oof. So if you Oof. are like – and in decision mode, well, guess what? Someone else is deciding about what your life is going to look like and you're on their timeline now. And I feel like that's Ooh. the thing of like you have to be deliberate and intentional with your thought and your attention and your energy and you need to like go in the direction and you can do anything, but you can't do everything. So what are you going to do? And it's when things are like so open-ended and there's so many possibilities. We have like analysis paralysis of like, but what if that wow. we get, that's like the, the most, that makes me like feel pain for other people when I see them in that position. I just want to get them out of that, you know? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Going back to copywriting, 
you know, the goal of copywriting isn't to sell someone something. It's to help them make a decision one way or another. That's and To me, that's what intuitive and ethical copywriting is. And so same thing with this idea, right? You know, you want to make a decision one way or another. We don't want to live in the middle zone, right? We don't want to live in purgatory. We want to either say like, yes, I'm going to do that thing or like, no, I'm not. And just like make a choice and then go live the rest of your life. And that's what copywriting should do. It should help someone say, yes, this is absolutely for me. Or you know what? That's actually totally not for me. Let me, okay, great. Now I can like save my energy and put it towards something else. It's like, that seems like some sort of universal law that Mm -hmm. sort of like floats throughout everything. I, I love that so much. That's like, that's so prolific. Everything that you just said, that definitely rings true for me. It reminds me of, and so you're so well-spoken by the way, but it reminds me of something that a million years ago, like literally like 20 years ago or something like that. I was living in, <laughs> I was living in Oakland in this house with a lot of people who are now well-known or famous. So it was uh, two designers, a burlesque dancer, just creators, right? And at the time, we were all broke. We called ourselves like circus freaks because we would just like get a gig and I would literally like be the tarot reader. And there was like people that walked (laughs) on stilts and people that threw fire. And this is like Uh when, like at, at this time, like, I don't even know how to put it. I guess like burning man culture had not become a thing at like really at all, but that culture was happening in the North. So anyway, a a lot of weirdos came together and we all had like multiple skills or whatever. One very well-known burlesque dancer from the, well, she's a, she's an artist in general, but she's a, she's a burlesque dancer. She came from the UK and her name is Empress Stop. And she told us that she was going to be the first, burlesque dancer in space and we were like sure girl like have another one like (laughs) okay cool I was like whatever like okay this is a free space or whatever in the back of mind we're like girl like whatever (laughs) she did it no she did it look her up her name is Empress Da and she's the first burlesque dancer in space and she did a show in space I just got full body chills that's amazing and she was like we were all partying and it was like the afternoon and she was sipping on a, she brought a tea and saucer. What do you call it? Mm-hmm. Cup and saucer sort of thing. Yeah. It was like roses and it was like antique or whatever. And she was drinking pomegranate juice. And she was like, no, she was like, she's like, I have a show tonight and I need to be, she's like, the shit is hardcore. Cause she does like aerial stuff and she does shock stuff. Like she would pull things out of orifices mm-hmm. and blow mm-hmm. it up and pop glitter <laughs> over her head and stuff like that. <laughs> incredible mind-blowing stuff but she said that with such conviction I was like I don't mean this in any other way but you really really believe that and she Mm -hmm. goes she was like why not she's like look what I do for a living you know Mm -hmm. she was like she's like I pull things out of my and pop it over my head and people pay me for it she's like I get to be like a creative freak and I love it and she had been doing it for 10 years or something like that at that point. She's like, so you have to set these goals for yourself that you even believe are like impossible, but you know, they're going to happen because you made this happen. Right. And then we were all like gathering around and we're like, how did you even get to this point? And she said one thing at a time. She goes one thing at a time. She was like, I know that you're a psychic healer, but at the time I wanted to make music that 
incorporated this and I wanted to do mm. this and I wanted to create a line of cloaks. And like, I had all these ideas of what I wanted to do, but what happens, especially with someone that's like, that, that like has anxiety, like I do, we sit mm-hmm. with it and we're like, uh, this is like freaking out. So these end up not doing anything. Yeah. She was like one thing at a time. She was like, how about you establish yourself in this? And then you move on to this. And I, you know, I would go back and say, I feel like I'm abandoning my dreams of creating this music if I go and I pursue this. And then what? Then I'm a psychic. I don't want to be a psychic. I want to do everything. And she was like, yeah, mm-hmm. she's like, but she said something similar at the point I'm trying to make. She said something similar that was kind of like, you can't do anything if you don't do something first. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it really is one step at a time, like just one foot in front of the other. And we don't have to have the whole our whole lives figured out. We can't. We can't possibly. Like even if you're a psychic, even with magic on your side, we just don't know what tomorrow brings. <laughs> like pandemic is a really good example, right? Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people who if you had told them at the beginning of a pan- of the pandemic, this is going to be the most successful year of your life. They never would have believed you. But there were a lot of people who last year was the most successful year of their life because, and they couldn't have seen that coming. Like if they just took one more, one step at a time, that's it. And you never know what the outcome is going to be. You can't, you can't predict it. A lot of it is sitting your ass down and getting something done (laughs) and having nothing but that as a focus. Well, That's you started why. this conversation by saying like you worked, you were consistent and deliberate in your actions every single day for 15, 20 years. Like that, there's not overnight success. And like, that's, I feel like t- to me, like that's what magic is too. Magic isn't like a shortcut <laughs> far from it. Like magic is just like the magnifying glass that you're shining the light through that makes it turn into like, you know, a laser beam, like amplifies it, but it's not like easy. You and know? it and it depends on what you're brave enough to ask for, because I had many opportunities to ask for more, but I wasn't brave enough to. I was scared mm. the shit out of me to like, <laughs> to, you know. I ask this question often, and I repost it a lot, and I ask people if everything that you want, if that you want manifested tomorrow, would you be ready for it? And a lot of people say no. It's yeah. like, yeah, you want a career of, you know, you want to be on film and. You want to do all these things or like whatever it is. It's like, are you, can you get up in the morning and go to a shoot? Are you ready for that? You know, mm-hmm. mentally, spiritually, are you ready to like put yourself in front of the when people are like, no. So I'm like, start living life intentionally. Like you're going to go do it tomorrow, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a process. It's a process, but yeah, no, I ended up, I was very stubborn too. I have that Taurus on my side. I was very stubborn about it. I was working at, a uh, very well-known spiritual it was like it's a spiritual center slash store and it was in a house in Echo Park <laughs> and so I was there and you were doing psychic work there like you were doing services uh, there yes I was a reader and I led meditations very mm. popular meditations I was doing crystal healing work and in those realms, I was pretty much forbidden from saying the word witch or wearing black. I what? was made to, well, it was, a, I was highly advised to call myself an angel healer. Oh my God. <laughs> and so the name of the, cl- name of the services were angel crystal healing. 
because it was the most palatable thing at the time. Mind you, this is 2010. Or I was going to say, that sounds like the most whitewashed bullshit. 2009. <laughs> I've ever heard. Mind you, and this wasn't, <laughs> this wasn't a white establishment either, but we were all afraid because right. there was, we didn't have Instagram. Right. <laughs> you know, there was like barely Facebook or whatever, you know, we just came out of my spaces yeah. getting ready for Facebook and like all this stuff. So there was, there was not the culture for it. And we, we had people protesting in front and all this stuff. What I have oh. to say about that is that I was very much set up for success. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to fully take that platform and run with it. And I was terrified. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I was like, mind you, sometimes I would end up living in my car like mm. for for extended periods of time but i was like no i have to work at the mall and here because I, that gives me stability and it's like bitch you're living in your car you know and so okay. you, you don't have that stability right now and you're being given this opportunity but i was too afraid to take the leap mm. of faith in myself to say all right if i you know focus on this just this they're giving me all the tools to do it you know, it's not exactly how I want it, but this is an opportunity. I didn't take it. I also had the opportunity to be like on local radio shows in Los Angeles and I didn't do it because I was scared. So I wasn't, I wasn't ready to ask for those things. I wasn't brave enough to ask. Were you scared of being like of the witch wound? Were you, were you scared of being like burned at the stake or for people like coming for you? Or was it, were you scared of something else? Like I, I think for a lot of people, the idea of success is really alienating because so many of our friendships and relationships thrive on the not having, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think of all my college friends or my, all my, when I was a professional dancer, all my dancer friends, like, you know, we were all getting together, going to the bar and doing like dollar shots and $3 Takatis. And that was like dinner, right? Because, and we were like, you know, bonding over it and it was so fun yeah right yeah and it's like well what if I don't want like (laughs) what if I want to like actually eat dinner (laughs) you know or like what if I don't want to do what would happen if I I didn't I couldn't relate to you anymore because I'm successful would I lose my people my friends and I think that's a really scary thing for a lot of people so I'm just curious for you maybe maybe it was a lot of things but what was the like thing coming forward the most that that made you scared I wasn't afraid of being persecuted because I grew up in a small town where I was openly gay and predominantly white town, openly gay, dark skin, Mexican. I was, it was a lot, I was a lot in the sun a lot, I guess more. (laughs) You'll see me in the sun, but um, (laughs) Mexican came from family of immigrants and openly a witch and saying witch and wearing it proudly, literally putting witch in safety pins on the back of my jacket because I, I felt in it. I felt it so much. I was doing it since elementary school. I was in the newspaper when I was in elementary school for getting kicked out of the fifth grade for bringing a book about witchcraft to school and influencing what? these kids. What? They were my friends. I bought, I, I got a book. Wait, I be- can't believe your school school kicked you out. They tried. But they like at that point they had successfully done it, but my mom fought. 
because she was like, this is ridiculous. She was like, because to her, she was like, a book of witchcraft. She was like, he's a kid. Like, he doesn't know what he, like, whatever. He's playing dress up. Little does she know, I was like, cats in circles and stuff in this field with like a, a group, a like, group yeah, of girls. Dress and, up. Yeah, I was like, yeah, totally. We're just kidding. But uh, I, brought, I brought this book to school and it was like, mind you, I knew some of these people my whole life because it's a small town. You you yeah. go to from preschool to high school with them. Anyhow, when one of the one of the kids got scared, rightfully so, because I was serious. I was like, no, 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 we're serious. We're reading from this. I, I know what to do. And so, uh, so anyways, that started at an early age. I remember getting yelled at by this grown ass man of a principal telling me that I was going to go to hell and like all this stuff for, for doing witchcraft. And I was like, I was like, that's not what we're doing. We don't believe in the devil. Like I was saying this like, in, the, in, the, in the fifth grade, and he's like, don't talk back to me. So I had that, and it made me. Instead of, I'm very lucky because instead of making me shrink, it made me louder. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so then mm-hmm. it carried on to middle school. In middle school, I had boys trying to fight me because of being a witch and being gay and like anything, just like existing. And then mm-hmm. high school things mellowed out. I think it actually, like with movies and stuff that were coming out, like we had to crap yeah. long yeah. before that and witchy culture and all this stuff. And it was more of like, the culture that had carried from Gen X. And so like being alternative was cool. And so that was like, oh, it was a witch. And so it gave mm-hmm. us like a little bit of badass, like <laughs> energy or like whatever. But, yeah. you know, I was always, I was always like fearful, but I was more fearful for like being alone and not, not being able to connect to people that scared me more than someone trying to beat me up or whatever because I knew how to fight <laughs> but mm-hmm. so, so it, it helped me later on because I was very like unapologetic for it because I grew up that way but it was them it was them it was it was for their boundaries it was for their safety whatever that I didn't want to bring negative attention to them and it be my mm-hmm. fault because I'd done it before right. for just for just being myself does that make sense <laughs> yeah it does so wait, and I want to know, like, how did you learn all of this? Like, it sounds like, although your mom <laughs> protected you, you know, with the whole fifth grade book. Yeah, she thought, thing. It, was, she thought it was like ridiculous. Right, yeah. right. So like, where did you, did you just like go to the library and you were like, I'm a witch and I got to like read more about it. Like how, where did it start? And it sounds, it sounds like it wasn't something that was like passed down in your family lineage. Although I would probably venture a guess that you probably have some magical lineage Mm -hmm. in your blood. I do. But the the way that, so there's magic and culture, right? You grow up in specific cultures, any culture, really. Mm -hmm. There's magic in every culture. Talking about this with my friend, Dina, whose ancestry is Lithuanian. And we were Mm -hmm. talking about, and she was like, we do that too. Like that's, <laughs> we do that too. And she was like, we were cleansing. We did an equinox ritual where cleanse yourself with eggs. And she was like, yeah, we do that too. So anyhow, there's, there's magic in culture. And there are things that are perceived as magical to, I'll, I'll just speak very generally to like the white kids at school. They thought that, that, that they saw my grandma rubbing with an egg, <laughs> that this is going to take away illness or bad energies. That's insane. So then it's it's viewed as like kind of like witchcraft things like that. So I grew up with cultural stuff, but I do have a grandmother who is a witch who was very well known in Mexico, who did readings, who did spell work, all that stuff. She came to Central California and she started running things out of her house in a big, blue, creepy house. I didn't like. She was not nice to me. 
I, it wasn't a thing where she took me under her wing. I was not allowed she into her wing. nice to you? No, she didn't like me. <laughs> and she, she, just, she just straight up didn't. But it, wow, it, What do you think that was about? My parents having me at an early age and it being like my fault that I ruined their uh, lives or, or like whatever. I understood that as a kid too. And I was like, whatever, I want to see what she's doing. And because she, <laughs> she had altars, she had a bovida in her room, which was like an ancestral okay. altar. I saw the spells. I saw figure candles like this, like all that yeah. stuff was like embracing in my mind. Tons of candles was burning at one time on her dresser. And we were talking about on Twitter, how the first altars we were exposed to were on top of our mother's dressers, our grandmother's mm-hmm. dressers, the dresser altars, like big culturally. So I saw it, I, I, I visually was exposed to it by curiosity or being nosy and, yeah. and looking at it and asking questions and no one would really answer the questions except for my dad. And my dad really looked at things. So I only had for a very small amount of time and he would tell me, he's like, no, he was like, <laughs> well, I'll tell you very specifically with a penis candle that was on top of her dresser uh-huh. and he, and she went to light it. And, and then she went to go like fix herself a drink and she sat down. Mind you, she's very fabulous. She wore all black, like typically like a black uh-huh. low cut shirt, everything low cut, stacked gold chains, Different color hair at the time. She had very curly hair with blonde at the time. She had like a beauty mark and she drove a black Cadillac. I was like, you are my Oh my legend. God, my hero. You are a legend. <laughs> you are, she's like Corella DeVille over here. I, it made me like her more. I was like, right. yes. I was like, you're fierce. Like all the time. I just remember looking at her and being like, I want that ring. Like stacks of rings, like fabulous. Mm. So he was like, my dad was like, every time she lights that candle, her boyfriend comes over in like 10 minutes. And I was like, I was like, why didn't you just call him? And I was like, because he was like, because they're fighting. And so <laughs> she, she was like, it wasn't working. So she went and lit that shit and came out of the room. And like clockwork, she had finished her drink, answered the door, grabbed his hand, took him to the room. That's one of my first <laughs> memories of a spell. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> She did not teach it to me. She didn't sit around and say, you know, around the campfire, like, I'm going to pass this down to you. It was all visual information. But because I saw it, I needed more. I needed to know more about it. Then we saw movies like The Craft and we're like, these girls went to a bookstore and found a book about witchcraft. So I went to a bookstore and found a book about witchcraft. And that's how it started. It's like, at least in in those days, in the old days, the the way that you got information was through books. So I got... obsessively started collecting them and actually reading them and using the information inside of them. I set up an altar, the whole thing. I was like a kid one year for Christmas. I asked for candles and incense. Well, I was like, no, <laughs> she, was, she was like, you can't have candles and incense or whatever. And she was like, okay, well, if I'm there, you can light them. I was like, okay, but I have to meditate. So she, my mom would literally like sit there looking at like a catalog. There's no internet catalog shopping while I meditated or like whatever. To, and then eventually she was like, whatever. So then she just left me alone. She's like, this is boring. You can light them by yourself. <laughs> yeah. She was, she was like, it's just like meditating. She was like, this isn't even exciting. Like, I think she was expecting like, <laughs> That, that was my journey. And then it, it evolved. It just evolved and evolved. I fell into teachers. I fell into covens and things like that and quickly fell out of them because I never left. <laughs> I don't know. It was all trial and error, but I just trusted and, and kind of was very free-spirited and went with it. I love that. I love that you, I think that people get scared and like want to do it right. You know, they're like, well, yeah, I want to do it right. Or I want to do it the way that I see it on Instagram or I want to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, not really about that. You kind of got to pull in what you know. And I'm sure you do 
you have some sort of connection, I'd love to hear a story if you have one of like a practice that you didn't realize was an actual practice Mm -hmm. or like that you just kind of know in your DNA. Mm -hmm. Well, so the realm of witchcraft is also an intuitive realm. That's like, Mm -hmm. you know, it it clearly, that's how you navigate it all. There are, there is information you should know. There's definitely guidelines that you should take seriously because that teaches you how to navigate the realm. Right. Just like you need a map or whatever. You're not just going to walk around an unknown place and have these like things popping out. That's the whole purpose of that. It's not to tell you that you're doing things wrong or that your intuition to put lemon oil instead of lemongrass oil in that candle was wrong because the book said it. You should definitely follow your intuition as far as that goes. No, you didn't like do something completely wrong or like whatever. That's not the point of it. If you know the structure, if you know about the different realms, you know what to do in order to cast a spell. That's great. You have that information. What you're probably going to do on a real level, day-to-day basis, you're probably going to throw all that information out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then you're going to be like, out of store one day, you're going to write, you're like, I feel like I need a red candle. And you're like, I feel I need to work with this oil. I feel like that. And I don't know why, but I needed to put all these things together and then it worked. (laughs) Now that you have the map, the road opened and now Mm -hmm. you can feel more confident and you should trust yourself. Definitely trust yourself. An example of that, I don't know if I could say it without crying. <laughs> I'm not going to tell that story. <laughs> but I, I have had instances to where I did things intuitively and they worked. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we could come back to that later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We can. We'll it, it, has to do, it has to do with an ancestor who passed. So I'm not talking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. I'm Italian and like, you know. I'm Italian. You can tell by my arm hair that I'm Italian. My last name is on. Like my my grandparents are my dad's first generation American, and I really got into studying Italian witchcraft because I started realizing as I was reading about it that like so many of the things that my you know noni and my nono did when I was growing up were. Italian folklore, like like Italian folk magic. It's like, oh, I know this stuff. Like I. I know how to do this. It's just like, I never put words to it before. And like, man, they also started coming through so strong, so strongly, especially my grandmother, when I started practicing more regularly, like I'll get hits of her perfume that is like, it's like a wall and it's like up in my nose and I can't get it out, you know, like for like 10 minutes at a time. It's so, it's just so cool to like be able to tap in 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 that way and connect with them in that way. Yeah. Um, it's like reclaiming part of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that, that's what I mean about the, the, every culture has like magic in it. And yeah. even actual witchcraft and things like that. People will go, oh, yeah, we do that too. Oh, we, we yeah. do that in, in Stegeria. We do that in Brujeria. We do that in English witchcraft or, you know, whatever the, the tradition is. It, it's interesting. So, okay, I think I've composed myself. <laughs> It just hit me really hard. So I have an ancestor, yeah. a great grandmother who passed. The long story short is that she was very sick. And I was at elementary school, again, elementary school, something like that. And I decided to go pick rosemary from the garden because my grandma just had this. And I've seen her make tea with stuff like that before. So I went and grabbed it because mm-hmm. I saw my grandma do it. And so I was like, I'm going to make her tea. And so I was like sitting over a pot and my Aunt Betty was there because she was always with me. 
And I prayed over it. And at the time, the only prayers I knew were Catholic. So I was saying like Catholic prayers over it. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, like the Hail, Hail Mary. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I was like, I was like, heal Mama Lola, heal Mama Lola. Mm-hmm. And so she heard me or something. And then I went, she was staying in the room that was like way in the back. And I went and I brought her this tea. And she was like, oh, thank you. She was like, this little boy like brought me tea or whatever. And I told her, I was like, I prayed over it. So you have to drink the whole thing. Something simple like that. Yeah. She claims, and I don't remember this, but she said that the next day she felt significantly better and that she got better. And I remember she was always sick. She was like, oh, it was always, Theraflu was her thing. She loved taking Theraflu. And I was like, switch out the Theraflu for this tea or like whatever. <laughs> and so she did. And she was, and she was like, yes, didn't you know? Like she, she was like, she, she was like, for a fact, she's like, he healed me. She's like, he healed me with this tea or whatever. Cut to years later of like empowering these things that you're going to consume or empowering oils or empowering candles. I did that. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I did that day. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell someone that that's, that they did something wrong when they're just going from instinct. You know, mm-hmm. I think if you do try to police that, if you try to police intuition, I could think that everything I'm doing is wrong and I and I would never be able to teach anybody. There are so many things when we look back to our childhood that we do innate that are instinctual or intuitive that that are like truly like we're fucking little witches. I used to make little totems all the time, like good luck charm totems all the time. And they definitely worked. Like they things would happen when I would use them. And wow. that was like my thing when I was a little kid. And I, I would hide it from my parents because I knew that there was something about like it has to be a secret. Like you can't let other people see it. It has to be just you. And you have to touch it in order to activate it. And uh-huh. it's so funny. To to like look back on that now through a different set of eyes and be like, huh, she was onto something. That little yeah. little nugget. <laughs> yeah. You knew you knew about am, you know you knew about empowering amulet. You knew about activating amulet. <laughs> you knew about the law of secrecy. You, <laughs> you didn't have to be taught those things, you know. And not to say that if, if you didn't grow up knowing those things, because there, there's a lot of different factors. But like, you can't tell someone that that was wrong. Because right. it wasn't in a book or like whatever, because eventually it will be in a book. But right. I feel I feel like these things do get written about because people are talking about their experience. And then all of a sudden it becomes fact. So what if you were to go and you know write a book about this? Do you get, you know, is this more of a valid practice because you got it published? Right. You know, right. <laughs> it's yeah, not the it's truth. So interesting. I feel like right now everyone around me is like, I really want to write a book. And I'm like, that is so cool, but I have no desire to do that. And I, I, <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, it's no, no shade at all, but it's, you know, yeah, a, no a, lot of, like, a lot of it is a book or, you know, and, and I do, I will, I'm going to write a book. I, you know, that that's, <laughs> that's happening. That's something that is happening. I don't feel like I need to do it right now. I feel like I'm kind of like, and then all, not being shady about it. I'm kind of sitting back and like seeing like, what is the content that's being put out there? Mm. What does this look like right now? Are people just repeating things that I've heard before? It's just the mm-hmm. same thing over and over again. And that's more of like my analytical process mm-hmm. and not wanting to be influenced. And I want to get into a space where it's kind of like, okay, now that we're not having this like mad rush, I can channel in and like, that's just my process though. Doesn't it feel yeah. like that? Like it's like the the freeway is too like backed up. <laughs> 
Yeah. And also just like, you know, I worked in tech before this, which is super interesting and definitely has informed the way that I do work in business. As in like, I never want to do anything like that ever again. But, <laughs> but I also get how like powerful it is to have something like venture money and to have like just millions of dollars dropped into your bank account because you have an idea and you don't even have proof that the idea will work. Like, mm-hmm. I understand that. I had to, I really had to learn that like you just have to stand behind your idea and your belief and like people will, people will invest in you, whether it's like emotionally or materially. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's a very backwards industry, obviously, right? And we're going to see it like shatter and crumble eventually, just like all industries do. But I feel like publishing is like a little bit the same. It's so backwards and old and it's not keeping up with the pace that we're moving of like information and what people want. And like, I don't know, I was talking to someone who said it was going to take them three years to get a book published. And I was like, that's too long. Uh-huh. Like, like, that's yeah. too long for like, but, but you have access right now to like publish anything you want to millions and millions of people and still get paid for it. Like, I just feel like it's, I, I maybe I'm I'm like just too obsessed with this collapsing timelines thing right now to like. No, it's very no. You're spitting right now because that's very very relevant because I've sat back and I'm like, am I going to even be interested in this? And, and if this is going to take <laughs> right. three years, well, would I even write this book? Like, yeah. would I even read this book if after writing it for that many that yeah. that amount of time? Yeah. It has to be timeless. It can't be an in the moment thing. I think because that's even more permanent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel you. I, that really that struck a good nerve in me. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Waiting that yeah. long, and like, I don't know. I think we also need to practice our prolific muscles. Like, you know, flex our prolific muscles. Like, I want to be prolific in my life. I think that that is what makes us. That's like leg. That's what equals legacy. It's not just one good thing. It's not just, and it's not just like a perfect book or a perfect spell or a perfect painting. It's like, no, 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 like 30 really awesome books or like 25 in good movies or like, you know, like years and years and years of content that you put out every single day. Like that prolific nature to me is like so much more powerful than like a one hit wonder, like a lightning bolt sort of, I don't know. I just, I find that to be so much more inspiring than like, I'm going to write this single book, not that no shade again to anyone who's writing one single beautiful, incredible book. Like, but that's just the kind of creator I want to be is prolific. Mm -hmm. I, I identify with that big time. I also don't want it to be the good thing about waiting for me is be, because I've marinated on these things. I'm like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I know exactly <laughs> what I'm going to do. And I'm no longer afraid. You know, of course we go back to the fear of it, but I'm no longer like on day to day basis afraid that the opportunity is not going to be there. Cause right. it was like that before of like, what if they offered to me? And I'm not ready. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever <laughs> it, it, it's going to happen or I'll publish it my damn self. You know, I'll create it. I'll create an ebook, whatever. It's not important. The important thing is that the information gets out there, but I know exactly what I want to create. And I know what Mm -hmm. I don't want to repeat because a lot of things, and I think we're just going to put a disclaimer out there that we're not being shady. I'm just being open. I think a lot of things are rehashed because I've been reading about this stuff since I could, since like 1995. Right. Or what, you know, whatever year it was, you know, that they started, but it was like (laughs) around that time, like 95, you know, the 98, I consumed a lot of like literature and then you come back. And I was just talking to my friend about this today because someone released a book 
that was the exact same title that I remember from an author in the 90s. And the whole concept of the book is exactly the same. And I was like, oh, I was like, I had that under my bed. I had to hide it because it was like, I'm not even going to say because it's too similar to like the thing that felt. But I was like, oh, Selena Fox wrote that. Like, like, I read that book in '98, (laughs) and I was in elementary school. Like, I remember that shit, or you know, middle school, like whatever. So I don't, I don't want to do that. I couldn't do that. I don't think I don't have a brain like that. It's very hard for me to conform. I don't want to repeat something that's been done over and over again. I'm like Scott Cunningham already wrote Mm. the blueprint of like simplified. Scott Scott Cunningham wrote so many books, you guys. Yeah, simplified, (laughs) simplified witchcraft. You can't really get more simple than that. And then it became a blueprint for a lot of modern books. Or Laurie Cabot's entire career becoming the blueprint for a lot of other things that are being put out. But even more recent, like Christopher Penzak, I see a lot of, who is a prolific, talk about prolific writer. Mm. These books, the volumes and volumes of information, he's a tourist. I'm, I'm such a, <laughs> I'm, I'm such a fangirl over him. That information, the way that it's structured, the way that it is comprehensive, the way that it is deep, the way that it is original mm. is unheard of and of course being rehashed now you know and and it goes further and he's he's you know and he's very big about like referencing you know where certain things came from or whatever so that's my thing that i'm looking at and then i also on a purely aesthetic level i don't want to put out a book with an ugly cover (laughs) so i think that (laughs) i I, I, like just like a cover of like taurus we have a taurus in the house remember when those books were coming out and they all looked like that or like whatever so I'm like I'm probably gonna have to publish independently you oh my gosh it's so when you look at book covers it's so clear when they when they came out they all have the same like there's I'm looking at one a bunch on my bookshelf uh-huh. now, over over your shoulder that I'm like yeah those all had the same publisher and like the same vibe and you know the ones that i'm talking about because they're like Mm -hmm. by different authors but they look Mm -hmm. exactly the same like yeah Yeah. and then like uh the silver ravenwolf era when she Mm -hmm. like was bringing in independent she didn't get enough credit but she was bringing in an independent artist to do the actual cover art and it's like great like you know the witch on the broomstick over the moon like no one was doing that it would look very different at that time and then came a wave of people like copying her things like that but i was like that was the 98 around the time (laughs) currently i'm obsessed with with collecting things from like 1978 because that stuff was just too good like those things were too good and like hand-drawn but yeah but we don't want that we don't want the uh the mass produced things no and i think that there's value like yeah, no shade is the no shade, but I think there's value in rehashing things through your own voice. Like really we learn we learn through stories. So like if that's your jam, like yeah. you shouldn't be afraid that to be like if you're not like, oh my God, what I have to say is the most original thing in the world. If you feel like you're kind of like mm, taking a lot from other people that you've learned from, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like Mm -hmm. say it in your voice, say it with your stories, say it with your like fire and your energy that you have, because like, you know, what's going to resonate with me might not resonate with Michael or might not resonate with you. And we need more of this information out there in ways that people can understand it. 
Mm -hmm. It's also like totally, I think you just have to do a gut check for yourself and be like, all right, am I not doing this thing because I'm afraid to be redundant? Or am I not doing this thing because I'm afraid, just afraid? Yeah. (laughs) And Michael, you're so obviously clear on like what it is that you want, but I, I I can definitely feel the people who might be listening to this being like, well, okay, what if I don't have anything to say? Like, Babe, you 100% have something to say. Like, don't yeah. worry about that. Yeah, you'll, you'll, <laughs> what, what I'm talking about is not putting it through the filter of your eyes or your voice. It's mm, like literally exactly. like every other Regurgitating sentence. the same shit. <laughs> exactly. It's the same book. And I have read, and I, I read, <laughs> I read everything. Like, even if I don't like it, I'll read it so that I can have an informed opinion. I'm, I'll mm. buy it. I don't care. I want to know what is going on, what's going on in the culture. And a lot of times I'm like, I've read this before, <laughs> you know, and I could, I could go to a page and show you where they got it from. But anyhow, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm like, I want to try everything. I don't, I, I don't want to be, I'm also like so picky. I'm such an asshole, honestly. Like it's all the Scorpio in my chart. Uh-huh. Like I'm such an optimistic skeptic. Like I don't believe anything's going to be good, but I'll give it like five tries. You know, I'm like, I really want to root for you, but I probably am not going to like this. I'm just being honest. And so I try everything and mm-hmm. it is really rare that I'm impressed by something or somebody. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I wish I were easier to please. <laughs> It makes you a more unique collector of of information. I think if you're just real with it, with, real with yourself, and you're like everything's not going to be good, and that's okay because there's value in the bad too. You know, mm-hmm. like some of my favorite movies are really bad, <laughs> but, but if it has like value to me, I'm like it's so bad, it's good. Like you know, this is terrible production, or like whatever, but it's so good. I think that also what I want to do is gonna it is gonna take me some time, like. Let's just say that there is, this is going to be an art installation slash book because a lot of like the imagery will come from the art installation that I'm currently working on. And then I think this idea I have of the book will probably shift once I'm done with that experience and it will be like documenting that. And it will all, you'll, you'll be able, it won't just be about this thing. You'll be able to learn from it the way that i teach like on instagram things like that we're putting this into like book form that's the general idea but there's something that needs like there's this ritual that needs to happen this installation that needs to happen first and then i think that will pretty much shape everything after that oh my god i can't wait to see it me too (laughs) because it's like like i said you know you have this idea i have all the pieces i've been collecting all the pieces for a couple years now of what i want to create but we'll see because once you get there, things change. <laughs> yep, that's true. Yeah. I'm curious. Do you do a lot of spell work for yourself? Every day. Every day. Wow. Well, I do I do specific stuff on Monday every single week. I have mm. two or three things going for myself every week. Because I've had this question, especially when we get to like the bi-monthly services that I offer, people will go, well, I just did one two weeks ago, is it okay for me to do this one? And the way that I structure it is that one works off of the other. So you'll know, you'll notice that I'll go through like a couple moon phases focusing on some type of cleansing or, you know, removal, then we can get into attraction, you know, just like this last service that we have attraction from here on a couple moons until it's appropriate. 
It's going to be focused mm-hmm. on attracting things, bringing mm-hmm. things in. So one thing works off of the other. Every week I, I, you know, do something to open my roads and keep my roads open. Every week I do something for psychic protection in some way. And then whatever else I'm needing, I'll do it. On a daily basis, I try to do, I have to do some sort of cleansing for myself. It's really important. I'm very sensitive to energy. And I live mm-hmm. in an apartment building where there's like, we're literally stacked on top of each other and around each other. And I'm very aware of that. I could feel the energy from down the street. I have to cleanse myself mm-hmm. with something. And that's yeah. my practice is that there has to be something. Even if I'm in bed, don't feel like being a human being that day, I'll be holding on to a crystal or something. Some Something mm-hmm. has to come in. That's That's what I do on a daily basis. And I also can't, walk into I'm in my office right now I can't walk in here and just be like whatever you know I I have to salute I have to say good morning I say good morning to the ancestors even if it's quick something that's what that's for me what I'm talking about when talking about a spiritual practice because it keeps you linked and it takes you out of this idea that like you're the most important thing in the world it like you know it grounds you a little bit Mm-hmm. I love what you, I love that. Yeah. Like we forget. And also we so often just like want to call on our ancestors or do our spell work when we want something. <laughs> it's, yep. it's kind of like, not like that. It's kind of a relationship. Like a relationship. you can't just call when you want something, you have to like tend to that altar and keep it warm and feed it and nurture it. And then you, mm-hmm. then you can ask, but yeah. I think that we forget that. <laughs> when you do that, sometimes you don't have to ask. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I say that all the time. Like I work very closely with Santa Muerte. I don't ask her for anything. Like I don't sit there and go, you know, like, please bring me this thing. I don't ask her for anything. I take care of her and she brings things to me. Like, and that's something that I learned when I first brought her into my home in a really big way. It was like a couple of years ago. And she, I, I just had her. I didn't, I didn't do anything with her. I didn't like candles. I didn't do anything. I blessed her. Like I cleansed her off and like brought her into my home and said, you're welcome. And I just told her, I just want to learn. And mm. ro- like, talk about roads being open, like roads being open, opportunities coming in, like all these things. And I'm like, wow, all this stuff is happening. And I'm like, is it because of her? And I was like, no, because I didn't do anything about it. And then I started to like, you know, I didn't light any candles to her or anything. I'm like, maybe it's just like a good flow. You know, you, you get in the analytical <laughs> right. line. You're like, this and must then, have been me. I yeah, must have did this. <laughs> totally me. This is all me. And then part of it is me. What I did was I aligned with the right ally by bringing mm-hmm. her into my life. It activated all these things, right? But I asked for her to teach me and she was showing me her nature so that I wouldn't mm-hmm. be afraid to work with her. Mm-hmm. Because everyone still has these little things of like, when things get intense, like when you're working with a goddess like Hepate or even like Santa Muerte or anyone in the darker, quote unquote, darker realm, the crone goddesses, all that, you start to feel them and you're like, oh shit, you're here. <laughs> and then you, know, <laughs> you, you, you start to know their power. So it's like, it, but the fear slowly turns into respect is, is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. And a part of that is sitting back and shutting up and listening mm-hmm. and, and asking to, to be taught. So that whole aspect really informs like, the work that I do for myself and other people. Wow. How did you, did you just follow your gut instinct and went knowing how to work with a deity or when to pull a deity into your practice? They, so here's the deal. If you're, if you're in 
that realm and you're, you know, you're like open to these realms of witchcraft and you just mysticism. They come into your life. Mm-hmm. We, we have this idea that we choose our, mm-hmm. our patrons mm-hmm. and all this stuff. They choose us and they will sometimes wait around for us to get it because I used to, something when they came into my life back in the Oakland days, like I would go to like a party and someone would t- like a very specifically this good friend whole sex he took off his at the time i was getting to know them but he took mm-hmm. off his silver necklace from mexico and he put it on me and he said she wants to be with you and i was like thank you so much and then and, you know it was like <laughs> it scared me a little bit and then i like went home and i like put her in a box and i was like I don't know. Like, I don't know. Da, da, da. And I kind of talked to him about it. And he was like, he's like, well, you're afraid of your culture. He's like, you've been taught to be afraid of your culture. Anything that is your culture is evil. Anything that is not popular culture or anything that wasn't created by white culture, you're going to be afraid of it. Just in that specific space. He was mm-hmm. like, you're, he's like, you're very open to calling on angels. He's like, do you know the history of angels and like Mm -hmm. stuff like that? And I'm like, they can do no harm. And at at this time or whatever, he's like, he's like, they historically do harm. Like they're not like, they're they're pretty scary. (laughs) Yeah. Shout shout out to him. But he, he kind of, he, he, he did that. And then I would have dreams of like (laughs) being in a grave and then having like her walking like walking like in a procession but like in a happy procession carrying like skeletons behind her and things like Mm -hmm. that but i would have that often and then images of her and things like that i mean obviously just being attracted to her because she looks cool you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like instinctually (laughs) being attracted to her but i knew the that i needed to keep an arm distance because i wasn't ready i wasn't going to be able to take care of her and i wasn't really i wasn't ready so when they come into your life that's how it happens it just is and Knowing about them, you have to get real. You have to research, do your research, find every bit of research that you possibly can, preferably through books. Now we have the opportunity to reach out to other practitioners. They're often very secretive, but some of them are a little more open and they'll offer information like the Death Witch on Instagram is an incredible resource. Menina Flaquita is a practitioner who she's I think she's the only practitioner that I follow, like the professional practitioner that I follow. Incredible at educating about Santisima Muerte, Bruja Botanica as well. Mm. For that very specifically. But you have to do your research and you have to trust your instincts. If you so like you said you start smelling grandma's perfume, grandma wants you to give her an offering of maybe actually going and finding that perfume and spraying it on the altar, mm-hmm. things like that. Or I'll go to the grocery store and I'm like, Santa Mate likes this, this, and this. And so I'm going to get that for her. And then I'll see like pork rinds or like something like that. I would never look at. And I'm like, that looks delicious, but I don't even eat pork. Like what's going on? <laughs> and then, but I was like, what are you doing? You're shopping for offerings. This is just telling you this is what she wants. And I did my very good month. <laughs> So, wow. so it's like, you know, and it's not always like this reward situation. Sometimes it's just to make her happy. But sometimes mm. I'm like, I feel like she wants some coffee. I'm going to leave her some mm-hmm. coffee. And it's, it's like mm-hmm. that. I feel like she wants this. I feel like she wants this. But the research aspect of it is so that you don't do this highly, something that's highly offensive. Mm-hmm. That's right. it. There's boundaries in everything, unfortunately. But Right. Like all mm. relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I navigate that whole world. <laughs> uh, you're you're just 
I'm just so impressed by you. You're so kind and so knowledgeable. And like you said, so many people who are as advanced as you are, aren't like this. And I'm just really, really sweet. I, but I'm, I'm, I really mean it. Like, it's just so cool what you're doing and you deserve all the good. And I'm so happy to see you just so successful and thriving and you've worked so hard to get here. And thank you. I know it'll only continue a hundred X for you. Thank you so much for that. You are, that's really kind. I've, I've spoken to a few people and it's always, it's very nice. Like I've been very lucky that the people that do reach out to me are super kind and knowledgeable and they general genuinely want to know what I'm up to. But I think this is one of the most like free, <laughs> the most comfortable, you know, it has nothing mm. to do with the other people, but just in this space right now, maybe it's just where I'm at in life right now, but I yeah. feel very comfortable in this conversation. So if to anybody that is hearing this, this is like as real <laughs> as it gets, <laughs> if, if, you know, I'm sure once you do hear it, you know, let us know what you think. But I think that hopefully this is well received. And, you know, like we've said it like a million times because we're afraid of this mob mentality of being like, I didn't appreciate you saying this. And, you know, all these things. I'm like, let me just put it out there that I'm not trying to like be shady or put in and throw anyone under the bus or like undermine whatever, whatever anyone else is doing. I'm just saying for me personally, this is what I prefer and what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you articulated that beautifully. Thank you. <laughs> your intentions are very clear, so you have nothing to worry about. But cool. Michael, how can people find you and work with you? I live on Instagram. I live, in, <laughs> as we mentioned, <laughs> I live in the Instagram realm at Old Ways. I'm also on Twitter at Old Ways with an underscore. And you could connect to my website at www.oldways.net. But soon that will be changing to oldways.com because I just bought it. (laughs) It it, it wasn't available. It wasn't available for like six years. And I'll tell you a story about that later. But I'm I'm finally (laughs) finally get to own it. I have one more payment to go. It was was a lot. Someone took advantage of me. I did the same thing with my website. My website didn't exist when I first started. It was someone else had my URL. And then I started it and a year later, I randomly was like, I should check the URL and it was open and it was really expensive, but it was worth it. My friend, Brie Luna, she was buying a URL and she was like, you should check. And she was like, I'll check for you. She's like, it's available, but it's this amount. And I was like, damn it. Cause I had, (laughs) I had reached, I had actually reached out to that person. I was like, Hi, I, you know, I run this thing and I've, I've noticed that your website's no longer active and since, since like 2000 something or like whatever. And they totally took advantage of it because they probably researched or whatever. And they thought I was a millionaire or something, which is <laughs> not the case. But anyhow, I, I finally got it. And once that happens, we're doing a whole revamp. You'll be able to see all of my content like in a blog form and nice. it'll be a little more interactive and things like that, because I think it's important for us to like own <laughs> our content like like we were talking about earlier 100 percent. yes i'm a big fan of getting people's emails because you don't sadly on your instagram account mark zuckerberg does <laughs> which sucks yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah you can connect with me there i offer bi-monthly services i haven't been offering readings or one-on-one spell work this year i've taken mm-hmm. this quite a break because I needed to, I really needed to for my own 
spiritual, mental, emotional health. It's a lot. So I, I needed to do that. I'm probably going to open up in April because I feel very ready. But I was also working on, you know, from like December to when it came out, we were working on jewelry. Right. And so it was like from conception to everything that goes into it, like that's a long time. And then it's a big, it's a big baby. Yeah, it's a big baby. And there's going to be a second release in April. And then there's going to be, uh, which is like a part two. And then we'll hopefully create something else that's in the works and then i'm bringing back products this year so that i nice. I, I used to offer products and then i just stopped because i got burnt out from it because i don't like the the shipping process it's such a pain physical products are amazing but such a pain well i would get yelled at every single day and it gave me anxiety to look at my email so I'm yeah. I'm teaming up with a company that does that for you. I was gonna say you need an assistant or a drop shipper. I'm who can drop cover shipper. That for you. Yep, shipper. <laughs> yeah, everything will still be created the way it's supposed to be created. Only it's gonna it's no longer to be created. You know, from like a room in my house, it's gonna be created in like a, a more laboratory setting and like all this stuff. So there's things in the work. So I, in order to not, I learned my lesson in order to not burn out. I have to be realistic about one thing at a time, like we were talking about. <laughs> yep. There you go. You practice what you preach. I love it. Yeah, I have oh, to. I oh. can't wait to buy everything that you put out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. All right. And that's the episode. I so hope that you enjoyed it. Mark Michael is just, uh, what a cutie. What a gem. Love him. You can follow Michael at Oldways on Instagram and you can, of course, do all the things with him. I cannot recommend enough doing some spell work with him. I personally, like I said in this episode, took part in one of his ceremonies recently and it was very useful. Saw some results. So just saying, magic's real. And thanks for listening to this podcast. If you liked it, share it with your friends. If you loved it, go ahead and rate and review and subscribe it. Rating and reviewing helps us get found by more people. Also, you sharing it with your friends helps us get found by more people. And I know, I know, and I know what you're thinking. You're like, uh, me just sharing it with one person, that doesn't make a difference. It actually really does. <laughs> it's called network effects and it makes a huge difference. So we so appreciate when you share anything that we do, especially our free content with your community, with your people, even with just one friend. We love making this for you and we, we want more people to hear it and to know about it. And you're helping us grow that. So thank you so much. We're co-creating this thing together and I'm so happy that it exists. I think that's it. You're the best. Stay cool out there and I'll see you on the internet.